Welcome into episode 245 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Scott McLaughlin. Bridget is traveling this weekend for work, or this week, I should say. Uh, so the Bruins fall to the Tampa Bay Lightning 5-4. to four. In overtime last night, Scott, they fall to 13-2-2 two two in the season. Opening shift for you. Yeah, actually, 13-1-3, I think, right? Because uh, it's overtime, yeah. Um, but that that it does tie into my opening shift, which is that they blew a pair of third-period leads uh, to end up in overtime in the first place. And, you know, for as great as the Bruins have been, best record in the NHL, one of the best goal differentials, they actually haven't been a, an especially great third-period team. Uh, they're... They're plus three in the season, so it's not like they're a minus team in the third period or anything, but that's compared to plus 12 in the first period, plus nine in the second, which are both at or near the top of the league. And in third period goal differential, they're basically middle of the pack. Um, they've lost three games where they had the lead going into the third, which is tied for the most in the NHL. And that doesn't even include last night because they were actually trailing. And during the third last night and uh, took a pair of leads, you know, first one, they give the goal right back less than a minute later down the stretch, you know, coil get, gets in the lead back. They're up four, three, they take a penalty, Johnny Beecher high stick. They actually kill that off, but the very next shift, you know, they can't clear the puck again and kind of an ongoing problem. We've seen in a couple of these losses now, and Steven Stamkos ends up with game time goal with five seconds left. So, uh, you know, there's, there's some more numbers here that like I can get into when we circle back to it, but clearly they do need to improve, you know, how they close out games. Jim Montgomery talked about it after the game said they need more poise, more understanding of game situations. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's my, my opening shift. Yeah, and and I just want to, off the top, talk about how the Google box score is wrong, Scott. It says it says it says Bruins versus Tampa five four, Boston thirteen two and two. So I'm gonna I'm gonna blame Google for that one. You know, I could look. We rely on Google for everything in this world, but apparently not for the correct standings. That see, this is why this is why AI isn't isn't gonna take over. They can't they can't take away my job of getting the Bruins record right. So. I thought I was taking crazy pills. I was like, I know I just saw those 13, two and two. And then robot McLaughlin comes in here now, 13, one, three. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, the third periods are obviously um, one of the main issues for them. And and it kind of stems back to last postseason too. totally different team, um, obviously. So it's not even worth really comparing, but that kind of, hindered them in the playoffs too, having third period leads that was uncharacteristic of the team up until that point. So even dating back to last spring, holding on to third period leads has been a bit of an issue for them. Uh, for me, I'm going to mention just how good Charlie McAvoy has been this year. Uh, obviously he had a four game suspension, so he was out of sight, out of mind for about a week or so. And we all locally and, and nationally, I think too, but locally know that he's a Norris caliber defenseman and a top defenseman in the league. But even for him, I feel like he's taken his game to a next level this year. He's at a point per game pace and points certainly aren't everything. Um, but as it pertains to being viewed as a top defenseman in the league, unfortunately, Scott, you know, critics and, and Norris voters 
they need the defense to be scoring at a, at a high pace and they, they don't necessarily notice the, the defense metrics as much. Nonetheless, McAvoy has all that going for him. He has some stiff competition in the scoring department among league defensemen, which we'll get to later, but he's just elevated his game even more so this year, physically, uh, defensively, and offensively. And I think he's like, Scotty has a seven game point streak going right now, second longest in his career. Is that what you said earlier? Yeah, he has a pair of eight game point streaks in his career. That's his career long. So he's now just one game shy of that. Yeah, and he, and he has, I think he has seven, seven points in his last five games. Um, so, yeah, he's just, he's just playing lights out, and he's, he's being the, not only the first, the, the top defenseman that they need him to be, but he's, he's a top defenseman in the NHL, and, uh, and that's my opening shift. Obviously, last night uh, he had that huge hit on Tanner Janot, which was just an absolute thunderous open ice check that you just don't see every game. Um, in the NHL, certainly this day and age, you might see a couple of those a year with that level of like, you just snap your neck like, oh my God, that was a, that was a massive, massive hit. And it was against a great player too, because, you know, it was one of their tough guys in Tampa Bay and, you know, he had his head down and, and he was on the Charlie track, Scott. What else, what else can one say? He had a Charlie card. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because I, I was talking to him on Sunday after practice and Asked him just about, you know, coming back from suspension, you know, do you think about it? Are you, you know, maybe more hesitant or, or can you just not even allow that to happen? And, and he said, like, yeah, I am thinking about it. I I have been hesitant. He said his first two games back, he was like, I don't think I hit anyone. And I feel like at the box scores, he was technically credited with one hit those first two games. And I thought Saturday against Montreal, you started to see him kind of get back to normal in terms of the physicality, the offense defense two way game has been there the whole time. But in terms of physicality, he stepped up with a couple hits against Montreal and uh, Montgomery highlighted that said he thought, you know, he thought when Montreal got down by a couple goals, they tried to take a couple runs and it was McAvoy who sort of responded and prevented them from having any sort of momentum swing that was going to be based on physicality. Um, yeah, and then Monday in Tampa, like like you said, that hit on Janot is just, you know, green green light. Just Janot's in like a, you know, he's trying to kind of poke the puck in. He doesn't fully have control. And McAvoy just sees a chance to stop him in his tracks and, and lays a perfectly clean shoulder right to the chest. Um, so clearly maybe not, maybe not as hesitant anymore. It looks like he's getting back to normal, which, of course, he, he has to do. Like... And he obviously was going to do at some point. You get a little bit of hesitancy when you first come back. Um, but hitting has always been a part of his game. He's very good at it. He's one of, you know, really probably one of like the cleanest, hardest hitters in the league. Usually he made a really bad decision and paid a price for it. And, um, you know, that's that's now on his resume. You can't ignore it, but for the overwhelming majority of his career it's been a lot of clean hits with shoulder tucked right to right to the shoulder or chest so um yeah and he, he picks up as you said another assist on Pasenak's tying goal or early in the third made it 2-2 um you know what's crazy is that like he is now putting up points at that sort of Norris level like he's a point per game right now he's 17 or, uh, you know, he missed four games. So he's 
13 points in 13 games. Um, usually that's going to be good enough to be right near the top. I think going into last night, he was one of nine defensemen who's a point per game or better this year. The problem is that, you know, when it comes to the Norris discussion is Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr are at a point and a half per game and are on pace for like 120 points, which is, I think they're going to slow down a little. I don't think either one of them is getting a 120 points, but both of them could be on their way to a hundred. And that is just like, that's hard to compete with. I mean, Eric Carlson won the Norris with a hundred points last year on a bad team while, you know, only playing defense and in name only um, Carlson won that Norris on points alone. And I'm not even, I'm not even sure there was like the wrong decision. Like a hundred points for defenseman is crazy. So uh, yeah, he'll, he'll probably need those guys to slow down a little if he's going to have a chance to, to win it. Obviously, you know, that's a discussion for later in the season, but I do think he's playing some of the best hockey of his career for sure. Yeah. And, and what you like about it is that it's coming in a year where the Bruins obviously lost leadership in Bergeron and Krejci and Felino And, um, but you know, mainly Bergeron and Krejci guys that have been around for a long time. Obviously Char has been gone for about a handful of years at this point. So my point is they needed these young guys to step up and to carry the torch, even though Marshand is still around and McAvoy is, is certainly doing that as is Pasternak. So like those are the two guys you kind of look to, to lead that next generation. And so far they're both stepping up with flying colors and yeah, it, it's for McAvoy. It's it's got to be well. First of all, I feel like McAvoy is the type of player that doesn't really care about individual accolades. Every player, I'm sure, if they were given some truth serum, would be like, "Yeah, it'd be cool to win a Norris." But aside from that, I feel like he's more concerned with you know team game and, and team success. And if he gets a Norris along the way, that's obviously great. But you know, he's a player who's going to be you know he's a he's a top defenseman. He'll be a top defenseman. His entire career, he'll be, you know, an all-star defenseman. He'll be, you know, any international tournaments, he'll be a top defenseman on Team USA. Like, he's going to be known as a top defenseman. But it's got to be a little bit discouraging, maybe, um, when it does seem to be like a popularity contest when it comes to the highest-scoring defenseman to win a Norris. And he's playing in an era with Makar and Adam Fox and uh, Quinn Hughes. Rasmus Dahlin is capable of scoring. But then you have guys like McAvoy and Mira Heiskanen in Dallas that are just so all around solid and might not ever put up those points as those guys, but they're competing with them for the, the Norris. And maybe that's what voters look to first and foremost, whether or not people agree with it or people want to have a, a Norris trophy and a Bobby Orr trophy. I don't know, Scott, but uh, either way, he's, he's playing – as a Norris, uh, Norris trophy winner for this Bruins team so far this year. So to kind of bring it back to, uh, to your opening shift with the third periods, um, you know, obviously the Bruins played a pretty solid road game kind of, again, I feel like we've said this before, but in the regular season in the NHL and the postseason, but sometimes you just have those nights where the, the officiating just seems like it's a bit inconsistent. Um, and therefore the flow of the game changes, but it was a very entertaining game. Um, one team scores, another team answers. Obviously, the Bruins are down going into the third period. They come back, tie the game, take the lead. Um, and then it was a seesaw battle until then, right down to the final buzzer, Scott. So if you want to elaborate on 
if the third periods are a concern for you with this team or it's just a matter of they got how many months to to, to shore it up. I mean, you could you can make the argument this Bruins team could be 17 and 0 if it wasn't for these four third period letdowns and so what are we really complaining about? Nothing. It's just something worth worth mentioning. Right. That's it's like it's sounds insane to suggest that there's like any way the Bruins record could be better, but it's like, well, I don't know if they were as dominant in the third period as they've been in first and second periods, they might only have like legitimately one loss, which is like crazy. Um, but yeah. So first just to touch on the officiating, cause I'm sure people, people want to hear about that. And let's just be honest. Like it sucked Monday night. It was, I'm usually, usually my opinion of officiating is like, it's fine, more or less. Like, it's a fast game. It's hard to get things right. You're going to make mistakes. Last night was just like noticeably bad. Um, you know, a couple ticky-tack calls on, on the Bruins, the Lori hook. Not sure he actually got the, the lightning player's hands. Uh, the McAvoy interference was... I feel like they just called it more because of the angle than anything, but I'm like that level of, of interference of like, you know, sliding over in front of a guy a little bit happens on like literally every chip and chase all game long. Like just because of a different angle and the Bruins are on the power play, I think is why it looks different to the refs. But I'm like, if you're, if that's really interference, then every single time that, you know, a defender shifts over to, force a guy off his line on the four check should be interference. Um, Pasternak gets a roughing call when him and Hagel are both throwing jabs at each other. And Hagel actually gets Pasternak in the face and Pasternak gets the only penalty. Horrible. You know, Martian gets hooked on a drive to the net. No call. Pasternak could have been potentially two penalties called on that breakaway chance. Looked like Hedman gave him, a quick little hook right when Pasta and I got the puck, like just outside the, the blue line. And then I don't know if we ever really got a great look at it, but I thought Perbix got his hands. It looks similar to like the Lori penalty. Um, now, all that said, all of that stuff was in the first two periods. Everything I just mentioned was in the first two periods. The third period, the Bruins still had two leads. The penalties they got called for in the third period, the two high sticks, were high sticks. Like, you have to call those. So what happened in the third period, not the ref's fault. Like, that was the Bruins' own doing. Um, and, yeah, it's just, you know, I think we can get into Mason Lori a little more as we go here and, and kind of where we think he stands. But when they they go up 3-2, he comes back in a puck retrieval while the lightning are changing lines. And there's only one four checker coming in. There's three Bruins back. Lori and McAvoy and Zaka are both close to him. All Lori has to do is like swing around the other side of the net. And instead he plays the puck back into traffic right where the only four checker is. Now you get like a 50, 50 battle. The Bruins lose it or actually they kind of win it. Cause Zaka ends up with the puck. Then he blindly throws it up the boards. It's kept in the zone. Next thing you know, it's a goal. Like, again, just to Jim Montgomery's point about like 
puck management and knowing the scoring situation, like that was not good puck management. That that was taking what should have been an easy retrieval and breakout and turning it into a contested battle and like scrambling to get back. Um, you know, the Beecher penalty, unfortunate, like nothing, you know, he's not trying to high stick him there, but he kind of has a stick out loose and it slides up. Um, they actually managed to get the kill, but then, you know, but there's a couple of plays in it. Like forward had a failed clear. Martian has the puck in the neutral zone can send it in deep and instead tries a cross-ice pass that gets picked off and turned right back up ice. So there's more zone time. And then finally, like the fatal clear is Pavel Zaka. Like all he has to do is just hammer it down the ice really in almost any direction. And instead he tries, it's like he's trying to flip it over Victor Hedman to like Johnny Beecher, who's kind of behind him. And it's like, you don't have to do that. Like, there's 10 seconds left in the game. Just hammer it down the length of the ice. And Hedman keeps it in, and five seconds later, game's tied, and you're going to overtime. 